0: Welcome. You are listening to the 919 Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to telling the stories of the over 1.5 million people living within the triangle. And I'm your host, John Carter. I had a blast recording with Deirdre Hodge, the director of Full Frame Documentary Film Festival in downtown Durham earlier today. So that's Sunday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, April 2nd, know that I worked really hard to get this published and out to you so you all had time to get tickets and make plans to attend the festival beginning this Thursday, April 5th. Uh, You won't want to miss it, and you'll find out why as you listen on. Huge thank you to my friend Megan, who suggested this as a podcast episode. If you know someone who's making an impact in the triangle, tweet at me or Facebook me or email me at the 919 podcast at gmail.com. In fact, I will typically post stuff there that you can't get here, like pictures or other content from people I'm talking with. Again, I'm hanging out with Deirdre Hodge. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I am here at the Full Frame offices here on the American Tobacco campus in downtown Durham, sitting down with Deirdre Hodge, the director of the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival, which is actually happening this upcoming weekend, April 5th through 8th, and tickets are on sale. So uh, we'll talk about that. Deirdre is vice president of the Film Festival Alliance, serves on the board of the Durham Chamber of Commerce and IFP Minnesota, and serves on a lot more boards in the film community here <laughs> in North Carolina and beyond. So, did I get all the important stuff? Yeah, that, sure. Okay, sure. I know I, I know I left quite a bit out, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. So, well, uh, Deirdre, how about you introduce yourself and then share you know a little bit about what you're about?
1: Absolutely. So, I'm Deirdre Haj. as you said. I'm the director of the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival. This will be my ninth festival. My eighth year in the job, and I'm also the senior advisor for all of TV and film to Duke University. Um, and you're right, I'm super busy. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm no longer VP of the Film Festival Alliance, though I was one of the founders, mm-hmm. and Full Frame was one of the founding festivals. But I mention that because the current president of that organization is Dan Brawley, who runs the Kukuloris Film Festival. So North Carolina has it all going on when it comes to film festivals. I agree. Actually, yeah. <laughs> We're actually big, big leaders in the film world. So a lot of folks don't know that, I don't think, in our region.
0: No. Um, And, of course, love that we have uh, such a big one here in Durham. uh, Yeah. In the Triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we, we talked about this briefly. I you know, just walked in the office, but I heard that you had a IBM connection in your family, so I, was, I worked for them, so I wanted to hear more about
1: right. that. Right. So my dad, was um, when he went to Clemson, so he's a Carolina boy in a way as well, um, and then he worked for the Air Force, and then he went and worked for IBM. And in the end, he was the manager of commercial analysis for what IBM called AFI at that time, which is America's Far East division. Um, and then Gideon Gartner, who was a pretty famous IBMer, left and he was VP at Gartner Group after he that. He a small
0: business somewhere, right? Gartner yeah. Group in
1: Stamford, Connecticut, yeah. as I recall. They're still based there. So, yeah, my dad was with IBM for many, many years. My sister worked for IBM in the 80s. My cousin worked for IBM for a while. Yeah, I used to jokingly say that if I failed in life, I'd end up working for IBM. No, and, no, of course, no. that was before I went to college and realized how much money they paid. But, um <laughs> yeah I went into the arts so
0: yeah so so you kind of diverged from your family so tell me about that how'd you get into I mean you were an actor by trade right? I was okay. I
1: was so I you know always knew I wanted to be in acting and in film in fact I thought I would go to college to be a film major and then I had really good grades in high school and I took an independent study my senior year and I was seen by a man who is now deceased called Ed Sharon, who used to be one of the big executive producers on Sounds Law and Order. Order. Law and Order. Um, but he also had a Tony Award. He um, was a pretty well-known theater director. And he saw me in an audition class and said, you know, you ought to be trained. You really ought to be an actor. So I decided not to go into filmmaking. And um, after a, a series of events, ended up at SUNY Purchase. So that's the, the program that's known as the Purchase Mafia. So I was in school with... <laughs> Edie Falco, and Stan Tucci, and Wesley Snipes, and all sorts of wonderful people. Very small, very um, rigorous undergraduate acting program. And then lived in New York, and then lived in LA, and worked as an actor, and, um, and then came here to the Triangle.
0: So maybe share about some roles you've had over the, over the years as an, as an actress. It's
1: so long ago. These are shows that were off the air by the time you, you were born. You have to share, but I kind of um, want to hear about it. Yeah, I think I'm best known as I did the last season of Dallas, which of oh. course is a, a show you would recognize, and mm. I did a couple of Star Treks and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I loved being in the entertainment industry, moved to L.A., met my husband, Joe Hodge, there, um, and we had our daughter there, and then, like I said, came to the Triangle.
0: Yeah, so what brought you to what brought you to the triangle?
1: So, my husband is a tar heel. Uh, got his okay. graduate degree on the stage of Playmakers Repertory Company, which is I think the longest or oldest repertory company in the United States, like they in the original Playmakers Theater on campus, um, which is not where the theater is now. Uh, they actually stabled horses for the Civil War in that theater. Wow. So, I mean, it's one of the longest repertory companies in the United States. And he, um, he had made the transition from being an actor to becoming a director and at a certain point uh, was directing here as a guest director and the job came up to run Playmakers. And he was identified as the candidate and we moved here. Our daughter was six at the time. Um, He loved, and I loved, that he ran Playmakers. It's such a great community, the Chapel Hill community. Mm -hmm. Um, And that theater did wonderful things under his tenure, which allowed him to then be whisked away to another job years later, um, which made me sad, but I've been able to come back monthly and have my job here, so. That's That's good, good so you don't live in the area. I don't, we live in the Twin Cities. Um, My husband is now the director of the Guthrie Theater, which is one of the largest regional theaters in the United States, sort of the flagship regional theater in the Mm -hmm. U.S. Um, It was a theater where he had spent some of his young years, so it was a homecoming for him, Um, but it's very cold there. And our daughter uh, will graduate high school this year, and you know, that that's also another new piece of my life. So that's wow. all very exciting. But I will say this: there was a local paper when my husband's new job was announced, and without calling, uh, basically ran this piece that said two major arts leaders are leaving the area, and I was so offended. I was like, "Wow, you would never have assumed that." Right. If I were a dude, right? Like if it were my wife getting that job. And they just assumed that I was leaving. And the fact is is that we were in pretty heavy discussions at the Center for Documentary Studies of, you know, could I retain this job and, and should I retain this job? Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, both the team here, so the people I work with and, and the people I work for decided we'd give it a try and we've been doing it for about three years now. And it works out. just yeah, it works yeah. just fine, you there know.
0: You um so so you were acting, and that's um, that's from the L.A. piece, but then you've also produced um I did produce
1: right? a few work. When I was transitioning uh, out of, and this partially had to do with becoming a mom, um, but leaving, leaving acting, I became really interested in producing. And quite frankly, um, going back to Dallas, the executive producer, a guy named Leonard Katzman, who was pretty well-known, um, would often come up to me on the set and say, you know, you're a lovely actor, but what you really are is a producer. Because I I just see the whole of things, I see the macro, and actors really should see the micro. Mm-hmm. You really need to really focus on just that cog of the wheel that you're a part of and focus on it really intently. I'm one of those people who would sit there and be like, why are we shooting this first? This doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, why are we doing this as an external shot? So I don't you had, understand. You had a more of
0: a business mindset, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to that IBM thing. Oh, okay. I mean, when the language of IBM is in your house, you know, you kind of are raised that way. So I became fascinated by the business end of it, but I really didn't want to, you know, by that point I was 30 Um, I looked super young for my age, so I was still playing very young roles, and I wasn't really eager to be an assistant and work my way up. So the very first job I got offered, making a film was a part of that job. And it was a grant that was through the California Health Department um, at the American Lung Association of LA County. And we made a film called, um, as part of this major grant that I had to run, part of it was making this film, and of course, you know, everybody at the Lung Association thought we'd make some little public service announcement. And I was like, no, we're going to make a movie. (laughs) So we made this big film about smoking in the media. What was it called? It was called Scene Smoking, S-C-E-N-E. But we had every, I got everybody on camera. You know, that was my job as producer was go out and call these people and Mm -hmm. get them to come on camera. So it was everybody from, I don't know, Sean Penn and Jason Patrick and Christy Turlington and, you know, great directors like Rob Reiner and Dick wow. Donner.
0: and Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, so these are major people. Get to um, rub shoulders
0: of these people too. Yeah, awesome. you know,
1: but but it was fascinating to sit down and this is a, um before, this was at the beginning, in fact, and was part of the tool of getting less smoking in TV and film. Mm-hmm. And it was already illegal to do paid product placement. it's It is, in fact, the only uh, product sold legally in the United States that you cannot have paid product placement in a film for. So I didn't even think about that. I didn't didn't notice
0: smoking. Yeah.
1: So the whole idea of getting a decrease in smoking on camera became, how do you go talk to the community itself and say, how do you, how do you reduce this? Um, and if you'll notice it is a lot, there's a lot less smoking on camera. I mean than I, there I, used to again,
0: be. I wouldn't even think about that, but you're right. I don't, I don't think I've seen many movies recently with smoking in it. So. Yeah, it's kind
1: of jarring when you do where you're like, wow, look at that Marlboro box like hanging out there, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, ironically now I work under a giant I work in what was a tobacco factory. Yeah. <laughs> and under the Lucky Strike, you know, smokestack, which is stunning um, considering I'd had a career really working between uh, the anti-tobacco folks, are what we call uh, tobacco control, and the entertainment industry. So that film kept me employed for many years doing a lot of that work through the CDC and HSA. That's and crazy. That. You're,
0: connect, yeah, connect, you're sitting in a building where it was a, a factory. Yep. For, there you go. It's very bizarre. All come full circle. <laughs> full circle, for sure. That's great. All right. And then... So that, that brings us to here. You are the director of the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival. So tell me, what is what is this about? So it?
1: Full Frame, if for folks that don't know, um, Full Frame was founded as the Double Take Film Festival. It was founded at the Center for um, Documentary Studies at Duke University. A few years later, its founder pulled it away, became a separate not-for-profit. The name became Full Frame. And then we returned to the center in 2010. Um, so we are Duke University, we are Duke employees, <laughs> but we are part of a uh, what you would call, just like Playmakers Rep is, we're a 501c3 support corporation of the university. So the center is its own 501c3, even though it belongs to Duke. But the long and short of it is, Full Frame is the oldest and most prestigious of the documentary only film festivals in the United States. And we're right here in Durham. So there's a couple things that make us unique. The first was being on the early side of the trend of documentary being the coolest thing since sliced bread
0: which it is yeah. it, which it is, right it just yeah. take
1: the rest of the world a little while to figure that out um, the other thing that makes us really unique is that we're a festival that rarely rescreens our films so a lot of times you know you go to a festival and there's a screening it i want to see this film and it's going to show at 10 and it's going to show the next night at you know eight and then i can find it on sunday that's not what we do. We show an enormous amount of content. It's about a hundred films in four days from morning till midnight. Oh uh, Wow. <laughs> yeah. From morning till midnight. And that's winnowed down um, into four categories. So you'll have uh, films and competition, which is the largest category. And that's usually about 65 films, which we have taken down from an, ex- well, let's see about 1800 submissions. Um, that we then get down into that 60 or so. Wow. Yeah, and they're competing for cash prizes and you know, those laurels that you see on a box saying yeah. you know, best picture audience award. Um, then we have our invited films. So those are films that maybe have played on the circuit where we want to take a deeper look and have a panel conversation with them or uh, show them maybe out of competition for one reason or another. And then we have two other sections that are really exciting. So one is our thematic section. Every year we look at a particular theme and films through that theme, but we don't bring them. We actually go to a really famous filmmaker or a documentary professional and say, you curate this. This is something we're going to let you curate. So this year that is uh, filmmaker Joe Berlinger, and Joe um, is going to curate a series of films around the theme of crime and punishment, which is a large part of his career as well. Okay. Um, he made Brothers Keeper with, was his first film, um, probably is very well known, uh, when you'd be familiar with this, the Paradise Lost trilogy, he had to make three films um, about these kids that were railroaded into being uh, accused of a murder that they didn't commit, um, and, and he really looks at the genre, you know, there's nothing quite like documentary, and now we even see documentary podcasts, exonerating people from prison. We're really looking deeply at how how a trial is constructed and taking the time to be able to track, you know, what happens and how we cover crime. So, um and 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 indeed punishment and incarceration. So he's a pretty fascinating guy.
0: Goodness. So this I mean, this is just not only for established filmmakers like him, but it's for maybe up and coming ones as well. Oh right?
1: goodness, yeah. Yeah. So you mean in in the in the festival itself? Yeah, like? just in the festival. Sure, yeah. we have a, we have more and more first time filmmakers than I've seen in recent years, and part of that is I think the rise of documentary, and part of that is because we're an Academy Award qualifying festival. So right. It's, yeah. Wasn't
0: there um, one a year ago? I mean, it was Oscar qualifying, right?
1: That's right. So a couple of years ago, when Michael Moore was at the Academy, he was head of the documentary peer group he changed up how documentary films qualify for the Academy Award. The reason was because with the Oscars, you usually have to buy out or do what's called four-walling. You've got to have a professional run in a professional theater, either in LA or in New York, and that's incredibly expensive. Sure. There are no rich documentary filmmakers. There are like five, right? <laughs> Michael's one of them. Michael, yeah. <laughs> right? But there you know, there aren't a lot of rich documentary filmmakers. So there had to be another way to do it. So what they decided was that for certain categories of documentary film, if you won the best juried award at those festivals, you would automatically qualify to be nominated. So you wouldn't have to go do that theatrical route. So we are a qualifier for best short documentary film, best short form, Um, and twice in the last three years our two films that have been juried, including this year, have gone on to be nominated, and this year won. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so that was a film called Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405, and he won the Academy Award this year. Yeah.
0: And you'd qualify short films as how, how long, about?
1: We're a little different. It's anything 40 minutes or under for us. Okay, um, I think other festivals break them up into different categories. For us, it's if you're over 40, you're a feature, and if you're under 40, you're a short. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep it simple. And then there is one last section I should talk about, which is our tribute. Um, We do look to tribute filmmakers uh, once a year. This year it'll be Jahan Nijaim. She is an Egyptian filmmaker. Uh, She was nominated for the Academy Award for a film called The Square, which really is the definitive film about the Egyptian uprising. um, At the start of the Arab Spring, that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's been around for the last couple of decades. She has such a strong body of work um, and it's just sort of shocking how present her films have been, um, in such a short period of time. So she'll be here. We'll be rescreening four of her films, um, and that's another exciting piece of what what we're doing. What we're doing.
0: Goodness. So you, I mean, you just mentioned you had eighteen hundred entries or yeah submissions or more than. I mean, how do you how do you screen through all of those and pick? I guess the Whoa. hundred that are <laughs> I mean, gonna make it. Well, I so hope it's not just you. Going no, there, actually,
1: but. this is another place where we're very unique. So most festivals, actually, the festival director is the lead programmer. Um, I think probably because I got brought up in the theater, we do it a little more like a theater does. You know, theaters, there's usually... It's not true in my husband's case, but in most theaters, there's an artistic director and then there's a managing director and an executive director. And what we do is um, I am the director of the festival. Ultimately, every buck stops with me, including what films we show, etc. It's a lot of
0: operations. Right. Yeah.
1: But we have Sadie Tillery, who is our artistic director. And Sadie um, starts that process in August. So we open up for submissions in August and there is a selection committee. Those are a group of volunteers that are hand-picked. We try to make that group as diverse as possible, both in terms of race, gender, gender preference, age. And every film gets watched twice. And there's a a rating system. They have to write about the films. They have to talk about why they rated them certain ways, on what qualifications and why. And then they go through this process over and over and over again until we get down to... Later. (laughs) I want to say November. Um, And then we have the programming committee. So the selection committee keeps working until all the films are gotten through. um, And they winnow them down. And then eventually the programming committee, which is smaller, about four people, uh, come in and start to look at all the rankings, decide, okay, what's risen to the top? What are the themes that we see here? And then they start to go about... How are we gonna program those? And then you would think it would be over, but it can't be, because what you have to do then is go to that filmmaker and say, we'd like to invite you to screen at full frame. And then they may say, oh, we just got picked up for distribution because maybe they sent you that film months ago, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe they're not gonna do the festival circuit. Or maybe they say, we have to wait because we've heard from the Tribeca Film Festival which demands that they have a premiere and we don't know yet. So we can't say that we can come yet. So there's this whole game of Tetris that happens as you're waiting for people to either accept or reject or you're moving to the next film because that film's already gone and it's, so much more complicated than people can know
0: Um, I mean it sounds pretty complicated It's pretty complicated
1: (laughs) and there's also what format is that film being shown on right Mm. is it a locked DCP which means we can't show it in every single theater we don't have that kind of projector in every single theater Mm -hmm. so maybe that's gonna have to live in one particular theater even though you'd want it in a bigger house you can't do that because it's on that file format right all sorts of things like that so
0: when when you're showing this this upcoming weekend yeah, I just saw, well, thank you for showing me the theater we just walked through, yeah. but I mean, surely there's more venues that you have around this area, right? Yeah, another way to that show we, that many in four days. Yeah,
1: here's here's why we are so easy to attend and why a lot of other film festivals feel a little daunting we're only three blocks wide, which is so cool, right? Yeah. What that means is you're not late, right? You're not taking a shuttle going, oh my God, am I gonna be in line in time? Am yeah, I gonna get there's a parking deck right there. So. Right, you just, you just walk right in. What we, we are so blessed. So you have the Carolina Theater, which has three venues inside of it. You've got two cinemas plus Fletcher Hall, which seats almost a thousand people. And then you've got that big, beautiful plaza where people sit and eat food under the tent and have a really beautiful spring day at the festival. But right next to the Carolina, on either side, are two more venues. So on the one side of the Carolina Theater is the Durham Arts Council, and we utilize a venue in there. And then on the other side of it is our convention center. So we take the ballrooms, we uh, get rid of the walls, we put a pipe and drape. We build out two over 400 seats but less than 500 seat beautiful cinemas inside of there as well. So you have all these venues right next door to each other. You don't really ever have to go outside if you didn't want to. But you should, especially you now, should, now with the weather it's and springtime. Uh, <laughs> but if it does rain, like you literally don't even have to walk outside. Wow. You can walk from the Carolina Theater straight through the Convention Center hallway. That's where people pick up their passes. It's, it couldn't be easier. I mean, it's really kind of crazy how compact we are and how much, how many people will come through our doors and how many people we're able to serve in that short period of time
0: right wow so tell me about your connection tell me about the connection with duke uh because they're obviously very close by yeah Uh, and yeah just tell me about full frame and duke's connection duke is our
1: largest sponsor they're our presenting sponsor Mm -hmm. um and they have been goodness uh almost since full frame came back into the fold um so dick broadhead made that decision years ago almost 10 years ago now okay Um, So they are presenting sponsor as such they get, you know, the most passes where they can come, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot
0: of students, I'm sure. That's right. So we
1: have a fellows program and the fellows, when you talk about young folks, so 150 people who are students at other film programs around the country. So USC, NYU, et cetera, they all come to full frame. So they come as part of the fellows program with their instructors. They have master classes by some of the greatest documentary filmmakers alive. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But they're all here, and then Duke gets 25 of those chairs at the table, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have more fellows than anybody else. But on top of that, there are student passes, and students are here all over the place because it's such a great place to watch film, and everybody loves documentary. Mm -hmm. So it's become a very cool thing to watch. Um, But I think the other piece of this that we haven't really talked about is that Full Frame is known in the industry as a filmmakers festival and really it's a homecoming for professionals uh, in the documentary community to come here to see one another. So what happens is because we're so small, because you have you know students and film lovers and then you've got all these film makers all in one place, you're just rubbing elbows with people. And I cannot tell you how many times I would meet somebody and they'll say, You know, I was having this really interesting conversation in the audience, and the next thing I knew, I was sitting next to Steve James, who made Hoop Dreams, or, (laughs) and I was talking to this older man, and he was so cool. And it's D. A. Pennebaker, you know, and you're like, yeah, these are the rock stars of the festival or of the documentary world, and they're just here hanging out because they want to see each other and see each other's work.
0: Well, right here in Durham.
1: Right here in Durham. So
0: tell me, you mentioned the Fellows Program. What else happens year-round? Because this festival is obviously four days of the year, but I mean, there's as is here uh, around. So yeah, we what's do a happening? lot.
1: We do a whole lot. So we show um, not during not from January until festival season, but after January, we um, shut down what we call our year-round screening series, and that's called the Full Frame Road Show. So we um, are very blessed that American Tobacco and the um, uh, Capital Broadcasting Group. Funds are our, our roadshow. We're able to show screenings all the way from Raleigh all the way down to Hillsborough um, And those locations will vary but we always will show that film almost always in our own theater right here mm-hmm. at American Tobacco um, And that's free and open to the public. You just have to get online and reserve a ticket So we know you're coming because sometimes we only have a hundred seats and we want right. to make sure everybody can get in um, Those start up again in May and they will conclude with what we call our Winter Series, and that happens at the Carolina Theater in January and February. Those are the last uh, screenings that we'll do for the year, and we do those, we kind of cherry pick what we think is gonna go to the Academy Award. Some of them may have been shown at our festival, Um, And we're rescreening them. And some of them may have been, uh, maybe they premiered at Toronto and they were later in the year and we couldn't show them. And so we show them during the winter series. And those are also free and open to the public. But we also do a lot of education stuff all year round. So we have a teacher's program. And that teacher's program uh, kicks off at the festival. These are Durham public school teachers who are instructed in how to teach documentary in the classroom. So how do you reach that non-traditional learner by showing a film instead of having them write a paper? right? And there's actual curriculum on how to do this. And so the Teach the Teachers program is about seven years old. Uh, We had a national webinar this past year with POV on PBS for teachers across the country to learn this uh, technique that we use. Mm -hmm. And then we pay for the teachers to come to the festival see films, learn the technique, and then we also underwrite if they need uh, any substitute teachers, we underwrite that as well. But probably the most exciting thing that we do educationally is the School of Doc. And this- I saw that, yeah, Yeah, it's the coolest program in the whole world. It's actually funded by a grant from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. It's partially funded by the Mary Duke Biddle Foundation and a lot of private donors. That is a dozen teenagers who come in the summer and they do a five-week documentary filmmaking intensive. Um, Wow. It's so cool, and then they come back to the festival, and they screen their work at the festival, and they meet filmmakers. Two of those kids go on scholarship to UNC School of the Arts in Winston-Salem in the Mm -hmm. summer for a five-week filmmaking intensive, not just documentary, but broader filmmaking. Um, And one of them was actually offered a four-year scholarship last year. Wow. So yeah, it's a really impactful program. where kids can really discover, is this something I want to do?
0: That's crazy. And they're from all over the country? Are they from Durham? They
1: are only from Durham. Only from Durham. This is really just Keep for it our, local. This is for Not our kids, you know? I mean, it's hard enough for teachers and students in Durham in the public schools. Sure, sure. So this is really an opportunity. I mean, a lot of times when they go visit UNC School of the Arts, and that's... Part of School of Doc is going to visit workplaces and schools where you might go to school. That's a
0: gorgeous campus. Too. It's amazing. I told you I'm from Winston Salem, so I mean that's I'd right. Go through there and it, yeah. I mean great. I don't know if
1: people know it was built to be the Juilliard of the South um, by the Keenan family, and I'll tell you something: there are facilities at UNC School of the Arts that you would not see anywhere. I mean, you can score with an orchestra an entire film there it's remarkable yeah. so for our kids there are a lot of kids in school doc who have never left room, and then they go they go there uh some of those kids might be offered that scholarship it's a really big life change um wow. and a lot of our kids have gone on to great success i um, you know films on the festival circuit and full year rides four year rides just you know college that's it's huge. really cool yeah that's really, fantastic
0: really cool. um well i want to talk more about the triangle. So you live in the Twin Cities, is what you said? I
1: live in the Twin Cities. Okay. They so, they do make fun of me. They're like, What is so special? I'm like, you know, like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> exactly. So
0: that's what I'm interested in is what is and you mentioned just this being a great place for film, North Carolina in general, but tell me more about when you go to places like LA and New York and mm-hmm. Twin Cities, you know, and other places, what is their opinion of North Carolina and what is their opinion of the triangle? You know, what are they saying about us?
1: Well, that's interesting. I think We are literally half the size of the Twin Cities in Durham County, Mm. so I I do think rightfully so. They see it as small. You know, they're not, they don't not see it as um, important because the Duke name, frankly, carries a lot of weight with it. Um, Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) It really does. No, it does. I mean, it, it is excellence in education, mm. not to mention basketball, <laughs> no matter what the Final Four is. We love you, coach. Um, and it's very hard, and I know I'm married to a Tar Heel, but what How can I say? How does that work? Yeah. You know, he, he, he we have spats, um, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We just don't
0: talk to each other when the We when just the don't talk on. about
1: basketball. <laughs> it's probably best. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Sure. I, it, look, the point is, is that they look at North Carolina and um, the politics have been odd certainly for the last couple of years sure. um, and I think they also see us as highly segregated and highly prejudiced hmm. and what I find I'll be completely frank is that the triangle is the opposite I yeah find, that's my impression too right we will, we're getting right in there and dealing with our issues and, um, and we're not perfect and we admit that we're not perfect and I think that's the difference I think it's front and center for us I think um, there are very few discussions that happen uh, either at Duke or in Durham that I'm aware of where there isn't a lot of care and concern for others, um, and that includes gender identity as much as race. So I think that's the misperception, because what the news is reporting is vastly different than what it's like to live here. Vastly Hmm. different.
0: Gotcha. And you can be that kind of arbiter and tell them, hey, actually, this is a great place to... Well, you know, I be. mean,
1: look, we just had a mayor who's African-American for the last 20 years. That tells you something about our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have faults. I mean, I've often said this on opening night, and I, I mean it. You know, like, when you're in Fletcher Hall, that was a segregated house. We live in our history here. Um, you walked in here, I showed you the boiler, you know, and I yeah. told you all about this building. And, you know, Durham lives its history. And I think we're small enough that we embrace that. And newcomers dig it. Um, and there are a lot of newcomers. I think, you know, it's it's fascinating to watch how the city has shifted and changed. So there were a few brave souls from the Twin Cities who have accepted passes and come down here and experienced full frame, and they're blown away. Yeah. They're absolutely blown away. They're blown away by the food scene. They're blown away by the restaurants and the breweries, and they're blown away by the festival. And basically, all you ever hear is, why don't we have that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that... We can be most proud of we there's particularly with the arts there's a lot of people that come here from other cities going what we don't have that why don't mm-hmm. we have that um and they can't have full frame <laughs> you know we Stay belong here. to durham i mean it's such a it's so quintessentially durham you know just as adf is we belong here mm-hmm. in this city in and this, this is
0: community. the 21st year right? I, 21st. I don't think we mentioned that It is. So it's established. We are established.
1: (laughs) And I think, you know, look, here's an important thing to think about, like when, when I did come to full frame, we didn't have, first of all, we were financially in a very different place. We didn't do a lot of what we do now, so we didn't have the year round programming. There's a free program every day of the four day event, right? We didn't have that then. We had one free programming and that was like Thursday at 10 in the morning where nobody could come. Right. We've got our late night bash, which will be at the 21C on Friday night. That's just a community party. Come on down and party because there's a festival in town, yeah. right? There's the free uh, Friday and Saturday night screenings, which are in Durham Central Park or they're in our theater at the Full Frame Theater at American Tobacco. There's the speakeasies, which are amazing in the Durham Hotel. And you can just come and go as you like, grab a cup of coffee and listen. Those are sponsored by a Indie Films. And those are these amazing panel discussions with the filmmakers on all these you know, top-level issues. For the last three years, we've done one called Hashtag Docs So White. about the lack of people of color in the documentary field. Um, we'll have people from the MacArthur Foundation on that panel this year, the Southern Documentary Fund, which is right here in Durham. Um, someone from the International Documentary Association will be here speaking. And those are just completely open to the public. They're free. And if I may, I, I want to make you a may. pitch for yeah. one, one screening. So our closing night film is also free. And it's called, um, uh, this year, it's called America to Me. And it's actually not a film at all. It's the first two episodes of Steve James, who I mentioned before. Right. New TV series which won't air till the fall on the Stars Network. Uh, like I said, called America to Me, and it's so good. It's set in Oak Park High School outside of Chicago, and it could be set in Durham. It's Mm. all about, you know, um, why are the people of color in the school not progressing at the same level as, as the white children are? How are these kids' friends? Great characters, these teenagers and teachers and administrators all trying to pull the public school system against all odds. Up, wow you know so you know all teenagers deal with identity issues and and these wonderful characters and wonderful teachers um, t- allowing us into their lives so Steve James will be here That screening all you need to do is get a ticket for it it's a thousand seats I, I'm sure there'll be a ticket two right yeah. <laughs> and it's Sunday night so folks can just get on our website and go to the ticket office or they can just come down to the plaza and walk into the convention center and ask for a ticket in the box office. So it couldn't be easier. And we do all that because we belong to our community. And that's what I mean, is that, you know, all that free stuff, I mean, you could say, I guess, that you do it for a reason. But the reason that we do it is because we really love
0: Durham. That's a great segue into a question I ask of everybody that is on the show, but how are you transforming the 919? Even I being think, from out of town.
1: You know, it's interesting. Dick Broadhead said last year um, that he would contend that some of the growth in downtown Durham can be attributed to full frame. And I think that can't be um, an accident. How we transform the 919 is that we drive more tax revenue into the region in those four days. So not we've never quantified the rest of our year-round impact, mm. education, tree screenings. Right. But in those four days, we're driving more tax revenue into downtown Durham than the city gives us in a grant. So we're just a good buy, you know what I mean?
0: Good we are, ROI, yeah. Right, it's
1: it, that's it. It's total return on investment. The restaurants are full, the hotels are full. When they went to build the new hotels, they came and visited and asked us, you know, said, you know, Deirdre, how many guests do you have? And do you have enough beds for them? And what's the price point that you're looking at? Mm-hmm. You know, that's all business. And so artists, artists create communities where businesses thrive, and festivals in particular do that sort of on steroids, so that's what we do for the nine one nine. Um, I think we're transforming the nine one nine just from every kid that's gone through the school of doc program or gone to a youth screening and you know finally understood the difference between. And I, I mean this truly, like what is the difference between reality television and documentary film, right? right? So from the youth programs to the teachers programs to the festival itself. We think about transforming the 919 every time we walk into the office. That's awesome. Like, that's a lot of what we're thinking about. We're not thinking about, gee, I can't wait to see this film to serve myself. It's more about, well, let me put it this way. My favorite moments are the moments when I stand behind the people that I work with and I watch them watching the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's what we work for, you know? We're really working for everybody from the filmmaker to the audience to have the best experience possible. And for us, it's pretty much like religion. So <laughs> so that's how we transform the 919.
0: That's a good answer. So, <laughs> um, so how do people go about, so it's coming, um, come, excuse me, coming this weekend. Yeah. How do people go about picking and choosing what um, to see? Oh, that's so a great
1: question. That's such a good question. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so um, you go to our website first
0: which right. is fullframefest.org. .org dot org. Excuse dot oh, fullframefest
1: so fest like a festival.org mm-hmm. .org, um, and you hover over films and it'll say film schedule and it'll say films and then you want to if you go to the film schedule say well I I can only come on Thursday you can hover over each of those titles and a short description of the film will come up but if you click on it it will take you to a longer description. So that's number 1. Then say you try to buy a ticket, and you say, I'm going to buy a ticket, and you go, and it says, last-minute line only. Well, what that means is, and I mean this sincerely if you hear me, if you're within the sound of my voice, <laughs> nothing's really sold out. There, I mean, to be truthful, the opening night film might be sold out. But what, what last-minute line only means is we um, start a line before we've seated everybody, And folks can come with $15, so it's a little cheaper than buying a ticket, which is $16. And if you hand us $15 at the door, once we've seated everybody, we open up the line to the last minute line, and they all get seated. So even though you get seated last, I guarantee you you there's a good seat. Yeah, Yeah. you're you're watching the same film, so nothing's really sold out, Mm -hmm. ever 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 Um, so you can read about the films that way you can go by day or you can do um, if you know there's a director coming or a title of a film you're really interested in you put it in the search bar and it'll pop right up so that's number one Um, number two is how you get to us couldn't be easier because of where we're located so there's parking all around us there's a map on our website there's also this great video called um, how to full frame (laughs) which tells you all about, like, where do I go to get my ticket, and where's the box office located? There are 350 volunteers, and most of our volunteers are repeat offenders, so they all (laughs) are really, really well-educated in the festival. In three blocks with 350 volunteers, you will not get lost, I guarantee you. You'll always find somebody to help you. But um, Go Transit has a free bus this year that's running. Line bike is giving a discount on bike rentals, so you can find that on our website, as is Lyft. If you don't want to drive and park, take a Lyft. Lyft is offering a discount, and that's also on our website. Just wow. pull up that Lyft code, and you'll get a discount. Um, download the app and come right down. So it couldn't be easier to get there, come read about the films. And you could just come down on the day and grab a schedule and read it. You don't have to do it online. Um, they'll be distributed, I believe, through uh, the, the weekly and mm-hmm. the indie. Um, and you can pick up a schedule that way as well if you'd rather put on your reading glasses <laughs> instead of doing it like make it 100% on your screen like I
0: do. Sure. Uh, anything else that you want to plug before I do the outro?
1: I really just think... Thank you. Come Yeah, just come on down and eat
0: yeah. <laughs> because the food <laughs> is so food.
1: good. Um, you know, the food on the plaza is catered by Giorgio and Saladilla is there and... It's just so much fun. Come on down and hang out with us.
0: Awesome. Well, if you're listening, make sure to check out the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival at fullframefest.org. Org. Com, org, org. And go to Durham this weekend to be a part of the action. Deidre, thanks for being on the one. Thank you
1: so much. We'll see you there.
0: You just listened to Deirdre Hodge from Full Frame. You can follow me on Twitter or Facebook at The919Podcast. And if you haven't already, show some love by giving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps out the podcast. Thanks for listening.